0: Welcome to Boating Insights. This is a podcast about achieving your boating dreams. Brought to you by Above and Beyond Boating. We deliver the leading courses to skipper your own boat. Hi there, I'm Neil Driscoll. Welcome back. For today's podcast, one of my favourite topics uh, that I seem to find myself talking about nearly every single day. Choosing a boat everyone loves choosing a boat surprisingly difficult thing to do um now the good thing when it comes to choosing a a boat is that you'll be able to find many many people who will be able to use their specific experience to uh help impact your decision matrix um and i just want to share some of the things that i've you know i've come across you know i've been, ever since we started above me on boating i've always had at least one or two projects on the go all the time helping people choose boats and uh, spec boats either you know previously owned or or new um, as part of the kind of um professional services that that we offer uh, and so i've just you know i've come across a few things and i just thought i'd share them with you because um, um most people often say they're not quite that well they're never certain that they're on their last boat whether they're on the on the journey to getting, uh, as, as, as I say, as you get older, your uh, mast gets smaller and your engine gets bigger. Um, but to start with, you know, as your, mark, as your boats get bigger and bigger, you could be at any point in the cycle. Let's um, just think about a few bits and pieces. Now, one thing I find can really sway uh, or can be quite difficult for people when they're trying to choose a boat is you're often... If you're changing boat or buying your first, you're buying a boat thinking about the sailing that you're planning to be doing that you're probably not actually doing yet. And the the thing that can be difficult with that and why many people often change boats probably more than they might have expected to is that the... um, the vision of what you think you're going to want to do you can very often you might find that when you start doing it it's not quite played out exactly how you um how how you might think um as an example you know i, I remember helping someone a few years ago and um the brief was uh sailing as a family with two daughters on and probably their boyfriends or friends a lot of the time uh heading out into the pacific um and that that actually did happen um but two boats later and five years later um and in between times um you know the boating ended up being completely different big focus on racing or you know domestic cruising uh, but generally mainly racing um and you know the boats changed now the reason I mentioned this is because taking your time to kind of really try and think about what is it that I actually want to be doing and realistically how much time am I going to be able to give the boat Um, because, you know, if I'm still working or I've still got kids at school or, you know, they're at school but they're going to be going into HSC or whatever the relevant qualification is, am I going to have the time to go and do three months cruising? I mean, I love the idea, but is it realistic? Um, If the answer is yes, that's great. Um, but you know, you might, the reason you want to kind of give it some thought is you may well find that, um, you are going to, if you like, you're compromised to have things there that you're not really going to use. The classic is that, uh, you see a lot in Sydney is that someone, um, actually ends up doing 90% of their boating, um, doing twilights or saturday races or maybe even wednesday races but that they um buy a cruising boat for doing all of those things uh for the two weeks a year they spend on board at christmas and and that might work for you but how i find is a good mechanism you know looking at racing as well as try and work out as an educated guess how much time you expect to spend racing um, cruising, and inshore and offshore, because they can make quite significant differences. Uh, and then look at that as a percentage. And when you're kind of making decisions about how um, how attractive key features are for you on a boat, um, weigh that up based on a percentage. So if, if you know you're going to spend 90% of your time racing and 10% cruising, I think you, you'll be gr- you'll be pleased that you, you actually weighed up the performance of the boat, giving that kind of a ninety percent weigh in, and then the liverboard functionality, giving that ten percent. And that look, that might not work, especially if there's more than one person involved, and it's not just a boat for you, but maybe for a family or as a syndicate. But uh, it's a good starting point. The next thing is the size. Um you know, I hate to talk dollars for a minute here, but, you know, it's no secret that buying a boat is the least expensive part of running a boat. But as you get bigger and more powerful, sometimes you can make quite significant steps up uh, in terms of your costs. So, for example, uh, when you leap over certain sizes, say, like, uh, a bracket might be that at 30... 37 feet you can still get away with being at the top end of sort of a spec of hardware but then once you go to 39 feet you need to be using hardware that could still be getting used on 50 footers and that means that every time you do anything it's going to cost you quite a lot more money whereas if you'd maybe say just a little bit smaller uh, it wouldn't have now that's not always an issue but it's you know like everything you want to walk into things with your eyes open so um you know, if you are thinking that you need the bigger boat because you want to have the extra cabin or the extra space or whatever it is, uh, or the waterline length, um, then just make sure that you're aware that of where you're at in terms of things like hardware and, you know, cams, clutches, all of that stuff. Um, uh, and, you know, if you wanted to, you could even just get a couple of quotes on things like, um, just contact a sailmaker that almost certainly will have made a sail for a similar boat in the past and just say look you know how much would a mainsail be on this boat or what if i got the you know the slightly smaller version and you just got you you go in with your eyes open um other things and when you're choosing a boat it is uh, i think the dinghy can be heavily overlooked you know do we how much do i care um do I need Davits or am I going to be happy just with a roll-up? I mean, everyone's got an opinion here. And the good thing is it's our own opinion. So we're all right. Um, but um, the dinghy is one of the areas where the rule of ABB, keep it simple, skipper, came in. Um, but you've just got to be a bit realistic. I mean, my my lovely dad drive, you know for years drove around with dinghy on the roof of his boat but because of his shoulders he needed me to get it off um so you know we used it for a couple of days a year and the rest of the time he just drove around with it because uh, i was in australia and he was on hailing island um likewise you know i've seen lots of people um put bigger outboards on a boat and you know they then find that it's so much harder to get the outboard from the push pit down to the dinghy that they actually end up just rowing sometimes so just try and think you know how is how is my little boat going to interact with my big boat um and is that going to work for me not just now but going forward into my into my ownership cycle of you know maybe five or ten years um that then feeds into things like electric winches or the size of the boat um you know just last week I was out just and I you know went out and did a test sale with someone that was about to uh, make a purchase and uh, with a few quite simple uh, adaptations to how they sailed the boat. I was able to show them that they could handle a much bigger boat much easier than they were expecting. So um, don't feel that you definitely have to have things like electric winches and that side of things. But when you're making a decision not to, again, you just need to decide, is this going to work for my entire period of ownership? Um, and then the the last one, you know, the, is... Um, the new boat against the uh, previously owned boat and uh, both have big pros and cons Um, and you know it's something I've seen often with uh, when people have transferred between previously owned boats is what you prioritize might not be the same as what the previous owner is going to prioritize or the next so just when you're thinking about that it's important to and sort of assume with a boat unfortunately that any money that you put into it uh you're not going to see again on the resale if it's more than two years later sometimes you might be lucky and see a little bit of it but most of it you you essentially have to just assume that if you decide to upgrade systems or replace rigging or sales it's not really going to actually do anything other than just help you uh get your capital back out again um at best so uh that that's um, something to just kind of factor in, um, and likewise, you know, when you're going down a new line, um, then that's brilliant as well, but make sure you kind of, you know, just look at the various options. So, you know, consider, um, you know, I know a lot of people now are doing European handovers, for example, or, um, look around and, and, and likewise, I think when you're looking overseas at, uh, previously owned boats, Um, factor in that you could very well go down the line of getting as far as flying out yourself and getting surveys done sort of five or six times before you actually made a purchase. And the reason I say this is because often when a boat looks less expensive when you're buying it overseas, if you actually budget flying to the Caribbean or Europe or whatever and hiring a surveyor and lifting a boat five or six times before you actually made a purchase um, and added that to the essentially the purchase price of the boat that you buy at the end. You might find that just buying a boat in the country that you live in suddenly becomes a lot more affordable than uh, or you know less expensive than you thought. So take your time when you're choosing a boat. Um try and um if you can while you're thinking about it, sail on a few different boats and really tune into the features that you you actually really like on a boat. Um and often you'll surprise yourself. And um look, we're around all the time. So uh one thing that we find people uh use a lot is actually just as a if you're buying as a couple is working through our online skipper course to start with and using that to help tune into things that you might prioritize on a boat in terms of handling characteristics or uh, livability etc uh so that everyone can get on the same page because um, it can be really fun but also very daunting so i hope this helps thanks